This is the Mentoring Developers Podcast, Episode 89. Welcome to Mentoring Developers, the podcast for new and aspiring software developers, where we discuss your struggles, anxieties, and career choices. And now, here's your host, Arsalan Ahmed. In this episode of Mentoring Developers, Burton Smith makes an encore appearance to educate us on design systems and to show us how we can get accessible websites designed quickly and effectively using his Kickstand UI open source design system framework. Well, mouthful, isn't it? Burton is fun to be around and we had a blast geeking out on design systems and accessibility in web user interfaces. Something that I learned a lot from and I think you can learn from it as well because making great looking websites that everybody can access, that's just a great thing. And I think that should be our goal. So if you are a new software developer or if you are an experienced software developer or if you manage software teams that build web-based user interfaces, you owe it to yourself to listen to and actually watch this episode right on YouTube. All right. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to Mentoring Developers. This is a podcast and YouTube show for you. If you are a new developer, if you want to be a developer and you really are struggling, perhaps, maybe you have questions nobody answers and you're too afraid to to ask them, well, here's a place. Come to the right place. And I got my good friend Burton Smith and I interviewed him. Very recently in episode 88, so you can check that out at mentoringdevelopers.com slash episode 88. And since then, we've become best friends. <laughs> hey, Martin, how uh, are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So let's quickly tell the audience what this episode is about. So the reason we are, you're back is because you created a design system. What is that? We'll talk about what is it and why should I care and, and what it looks like and all that good stuff. But this is... For people who want to build websites or anything related to web that could be used maybe as a, as a mobile app, perhaps that's possible. Anything on the web can be turned into a mobile app. That's possible. But think of the, of anything that's on the web and it has a certain look and feel and it accessibility is a problem, right? You want people to be able to access it, whether they are fully capable or partially capable. Maybe they have a problem with the eyesight or, or hearing or whatever else. You you don't want to exclude those people. This is very, very important. So a design system will guide you. And I don't know anything about design systems, right? I'm just telling you from what I understand. So we're going to learn from the guy who created the design system. So, Burton, what in the world is a design system? That's a good question. So a design system, uh, in a lot of ways, it's just, it's, you can think about, think about it as the idea of, you know, how do we build applications? Like what is, uh, you know, what, what processes do we follow, follow? What coding conventions do we follow as we, as we build and scale applications? Um, so a design system is kind of those rules and guidelines all encapsulated into it. Now, there are a couple different parts of design systems that people sometimes get confused with. Is this a design system or part of a design system? And you hear these, these words a lot. So design system is just kind of this encompassing wrapper of 
you know, how do we build things and what do we use to build them? Then you have things like component libraries, and those are, you know, code blocks, code snippets, uh, you know, pieces of components or reusable code that you can use throughout your application to create consistency and, uh, you know, unified user experience. And then, on the other hand, you hear uh, this term called style guides. And style guides, those are kind of like the uh, the specific implementation of a design system. So a lot of companies um, have a, a, a design system for a single brand, and that's why sometimes those get confused, because the design system only correlates with a single brand, so it has a single style guide. And so they kind of look and feel the same. But you have other companies um, that have multiple brands. So they have one design system, but then they have multiple brands that they apply that design system to, and they use different style guides to document how the design system gets implemented for that brand. So there's kind of these moving parts. Design systems, this big wrapper, kind of communicates how you build things. Com uh, the component library or pattern library is the reusable components and reusable parts of it. And then the, the style guide is how does your brand implement uh, that specific design system for that given brand. So really the goal behind a design system is to build efficiency um, with the way you build things so that you reuse as much code as possible um, throughout your applications. Um, and as well as uh, create a system of quality and um, re uh, uh, abstraction that allows you to um, uh, make it easier to implement code practices, good coding practices, but also make it easy for users to use your applications because there it has a consistent look and feel. Yeah, this is great. A design system allows you to be consistent because... If you are a, a company that you want the user to have a known experience, once they, if you go to uh, a Coke website, you should see a lot of red. <laughs> I think something, <laughs> a shade of red. If you go to Pepsi, you should see a lot of blue, right? It, so, because people associate the, those elements with that particular brand. So, so that's good, but also consistency is good. For, for anybody, you don't want to have two pages of a website look completely different, for example. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, the good, cool thing about what you're doing is, is you're trying to promote accessibility. So, so that's why, so there are design systems and there are their design systems, right? Your design system, why does it need to exist? Aren't there already design systems? Yeah. And there are, that's a really good question because there are some great, great design systems out there. And people are already, especially if you're a web developer, are familiar with a lot of these like Bootstrap, Foundation, uh, Material Design um, by Google. Uh, you know, you get all of these really awesome design systems out there um, that that a lot of people are very familiar with already. And they do a very good job of making their their tools easy to use and implement their styles and designs. The challenge that uh, I ran into, and actually the reason why I started this project in the first place, was because um, we have, like I said, we have, in, in, my, in the company that I work for, we have multiple brands, and each of those brands is on a different platform and uses a different technology. And so 
we, you know, so some of them use a front-end framework, some of them don't use a front-end framework. Uh, and so it gets very difficult to say, how do we implement a design system, a consistent design system across the board for all of our technologies? Um, that's a very difficult question to ask. And so the thing that uh, I looked into was, okay, I know Vue.js, I know a little bit of React, can I use those and create a library and plug them in? Well, if I use Vue here, I can't use Vue there because of this library, and they compete with each other. There was all of these things that I just started running into problems with that, that, that made it difficult to create a standard library to use. Um, and then I stumbled across this, this uh, uh, compiler called Stencil.js, and Stencil.js is made by the Ionic team. Um, if you don't know what Ionic is, it's a way of writing mobile applications uh, in web technology. So you write it in you know, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and it compiles down into um, mobile applications. Really cool technology. Um, and what they did is they built this compiler that takes your HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and it compiles it to uh, standards-based web components. And web components are, they've been part of the HTML5 spec for a while, like a long time. Um, unfortunately, they just never got a lot of love. A lot of the, the uh, front-end frameworks that were available were mm -hmm. providing a lot of the same features and a lot of the same capabilities. Um, and so they, they just didn't get a lot of attention uh, early on. Well, now more and more companies like mine, where they have multiple frameworks across the board, who need to find a, a way to be able to consistently uh, implement design systems are looking at these web components because they're framework agnostic. It doesn't matter what framework you're using; you can implement it anywhere. If you're even if you're not using a framework, it started as part of the HTML5 standard. Uh, and so this compiler, Stencil JS, what it does is it compiles down your components down into you know, just raw HTML components. And I'll show you what that looks like here in a minute and why that's so cool. Um, but it also uh, gives you the ability to um, uh, have really performant uh, applications because they don't need a framework in order to generate your UI. You know, when I start building with my components, as I'll show you in a minute, you don't have to have React or uh, Angular or Vue or any of those libraries to be able to use these components. It just is part of the, the DOM spec and it can, uh, so it's very fast and very lightweight as well. So can it, can it work with all these components? If, um, sorry, all these, all these libraries like React has its own components and Angular has its own components because, because they, they just do and they are not interoperable, but, mm -hmm. When, if I create a page using your design system, then I will, I'll be using web components. We're saying we're going to talk about what those are. If you're, if you're, if you're clueless, if you're listening right now and you're like, what in the, what is a component? <laughs> I don't get it. We'll talk about this. Don't worry. So, yeah. but I have this, this web component, right? Mm -hmm. But now I want to have something else, maybe something that I really like React. For something, and I just want to add that mm -hmm. it shouldn't clash with each other, right? Correct, and um, the, the, you're, you're absolutely right. So the nice thing is, is that using web components, you can use them just like HTML elements, right? Just like an input element or a button element. You use your component just like that. 
and React and these other frameworks look at them and treat them similar to that. Now, I will say React is, has kind of, uh, doesn't have the best reputation with components. Um, and so they, there are some gotchas when it comes to React and web components. Uh, I, in, in Kickstand, in the, in the framework that I built, I'm aware of those and I've built the framework knowing that those issues exist. So hopefully you don't have to worry about that while you're building things. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, many of the, the frameworks play very well with web components and, and work, you know, seamlessly with them. So yeah, it's, it's a very nice experience. Hi everyone. Arslan here. I know that you're listening to a demo. A demo usually works well in video. You know, you're listening to Burton Smith tell you about how you can get started with Kickstand UI and design system. What are design systems? What are the different options you have? The best experience is on YouTube, trust me. So you can find it on our YouTube channel, Mentoring Developers, and you can get the link for all that on our website, mentoringdevelopers.com slash episode 89. All right, I'll see you there. So let me ask you this question. We're coming to, uh, we're trying to wrap up the this demo. There's so much to, to talk about in this. So maybe we'll get into, you know, other aspects of it and maybe maybe some real world examples if you get a chance in, in a future episode. But in mm-hmm. this one, I just, I just want to wrap it up because I, I'm trying to understand this. This is fantastic. I can, I can create, I can go in there and just cr- quickly create elements without having to know exactly how to do them and know that the, a certain standard functionality will work, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But why is this accessible? Because that's where we started, right? We wanted something accessible. Why is this more accessible than using something else? Yeah. So, and, and it's not necessarily more accessible. Like, so I, I built this to be accessible. Like I've gone out of my way to really make sure that there are accessible elements and that that we're following, you know, best practices um, mm-hmm. around usability and things like that. Um, other, other component libraries do that too. I won't, I won't act like it's the best one out there <laughs> or that the other one aren't, aren't doing a good job because they are, they're great. There are some that do a great job. There are some that do not though. They look very pretty and they look very nice and they don't do a very good job. Mm. Um, so we, one of the things that we within our company need to be aware of is that we work internationally we build applications internationally and they have different standards outside of the united states that um they're they're more strict with their accessibility standards so we need to make sure that we're developing for higher accessibility standards than what this unfortunately united states has identified as the minimum accessibility standards um so the goal always is to try to get the best accessibility, not just good enough accessibility. Um, so one thing that, you know, we use different tools to, to evaluate the accessibility level of the different components and how they core interact with each other. Lighthouse is a great tool that's built into the browser. You can see if you're using Chrome or a Chromium-based browser, uh, Lighthouse is built in, and you can have it do an accessibility audit for you. Nice. Um, an, another great one that I really enjoy is uh, um, Accessibility Insights for the Web. And I'm hovering over the icon here in the browser, and that's by Microsoft. 
um, and they have uh, Chrome extensions for it. And this one is very nice because it's uh, very visual. Chrome mm-hmm. will give you just a, a kind of a score and give you a list of things you need to look at. Mm-hmm. This one will actually give you a score and a list, and then it will overlay the results over the website itself and say, this button does not have enough contrast, or this form field is missing a certain ARIA attribute. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you a much more visual feedback of, of what's missing um, or what needs what needs work. So we try to, I, when I go through and build components, I try to test them against different standards. Also, in my test environment, I use Storybook. And I use Storybook's accessibility plugin mm-hmm. so that as I'm building it, it's giving me real-time feedback as, oh, you're missing this, or this is the wrong attribute or role that is, is being assigned to this. And so, uh, you know, I try to mm-hmm. spread it out and make sure that I have my bases covered. And, you know, if, if someone goes in and sees an accessibility problem, please tell me about it because that's <laughs> really important to me that, that this is accessible and that the web is accessible. So, um, yes, please, please let me know. For the uninitiated, the main thing that I think accessibility is concerned with is screen readers. Because if you're not able to see some something that's fancy, but if you can't actually see it, maybe you have a visual impairment or something like this, your screen reader should be able to actually read the, the names of the fields and should be able to get any error messages Right, so if everything is an image, then it's hard uh, for the screen readers to know what that means. And if you have images, then you should have descriptions in the alt tag, right? Things like that, just common sense things that we have over over the years we have learned that you know n- not just the sighted people uh, visit our website and and the unsighted people or people who have difficulty actually reading your your tiny fonts. They have a right to to use your system as well. So, so if you if you're out there and if you're thinking, okay, I don't know anything about it, just try to using a screen reader on your on your whatever your program is and see if if that actually works. Another great test is so yeah, screen readers visually impaired is is one area that that definitely is is a a big one. The other one is um, keyboard users. Yeah. So. How, you know, how accessible is your site for keyboard users? Can your users see where they're actually at in here? So one of the things that we added is an outline. So as you tab through, you'll see it in outline with uh, this dotted border so that you can see where your place is within the the application. Um, And anyone can test that, right? You don't have to pull up any new technology and and all you have to do is start tabbing through and see yeah. how usable is this from a from a keyboard user experience. And everyone at some point or another is a keyboard or at least at the very least a one handed user mm-hmm. when they've got food in their hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> or everyone babies or both or, or their mouse with yeah. only one hand when they've got food. Um, and so happen, yeah. You know, it, accessibility, and I like what you said about it, but it's also so much more, right? Accessibility right. is just um, making it easier to use for everyone. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be like a permanent disability. It doesn't have to be you're blind. Um, it just means maybe at that time, maybe you broke your hand and you can't use it for a few weeks. Right. You're a one-handed keyboard user. Um, you know, that you realize how inaccessible things are when you're, you're all of a sudden lose something, lose something right. that you depend on. Yep. So yeah, there's just so many things that, 
that you have to think about when building applications that, that can make it hard. Um, so, for example, with the modal, and this is something that I didn't think about until I actually started building a modal, is you need to have keyboard trapping set up in there so that as they start tabbing, so right now when you open the modal, it sets the focus on the close button. Mm. Um, I can't, as I tab, if there were more selectable elements in here, it would tab through those selectable elements, but it wouldn't leave the modal. That way, if I'm tabbing, it doesn't start going out to these input fields and things like that. It stays yeah. contained in my modal where I want them to focus. I never, ever thought about that until I actually built a modal, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's that's really important. That makes sense. So um, it's just things that you don't think about that that make a big difference for uh, for users, all of your users. So. Yes, it's important. Now, this is amazing stuff. Is there anything else you want to show, or uh, do you want to wrap up? That's that's probably a good start. If someone wants to get in there and try it out, um, that that's probably the easiest, fastest, low-risk way to do it. Yeah. Uh, maybe another time I can come in and show you how to integrate it into an existing system or yeah. an existing um, build pipeline if you're using uh, Webpack or or roll up or something like that. You know, how, how do we integrate it into an existing application and, and right. get it going? And you could maybe we can just build something quickly. Uh, let's see if we can build something in 30 minutes or 40 minutes uh, yeah. using kickstand. I have an idea. We'll collaborate. We'll screen share and, and we'll, we'll let the world know how, how amazing, <laughs> <laughs> how, how horrible of a developer I am and how amazing you are. We'll, We'll, uh, we'll do it. We'll do it next time. We'll do it another time. That'd be fun. Uh, I do. I am curious to see how inaccessible my website is. If you go to, go to mentoringdevelopers.com, I want to see, because I've never tried it, but I I keep getting these messages from Google telling me that my, my site is not very good for mobile. How inaccessible am I? Good question. So there's a couple of things we can do. So obviously you see that. It's not using HTTPS. I don't know if that's just because that, I need. That's to. just because I'm I'm lazy. I don't I don't have an SSL cert. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I really I really need to get one. So that's a big that that'll be a big boost not only for yeah. um, just users but also uh, SEO. They Absolutely. look at that a lot now. But uh, so one thing we could do let's let's uh, uh, this is what I do normally when I go into a site because uh, mm. I'm super nosy. Um, so I go into a site and I say, okay, let's generate a lighthouse report. Oh, it's going to be bad. <laughs> so this is, this is an easy one because again, it's, it's built into the browser. So anyone can run this if you have a Chrome, a Chromium based browser. So this is Microsoft Edge that I'm using, which is now Chromium based. Hey, look at that. Super good performance. Not bad SEO. Mm. Accessibility and best practice. So let's look at accessibility. Got a 72 on that. It's going to say, uh, role does not have the acquire, required ARIA tags. So the volume slider, okay. So I'm probably on one of your players, yeah. The volume slider is not, doesn't have the right uh, roles. Uh, let's see. See, that was just gibberish to me. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> this, this is um, a plugin that I, you know, it's a WordPress site. So I have no idea how they implemented it, but also I don't know what a role is. Oh, yeah. Okay. So a role is basically, um, 
so there's an, the, the ARIA spec, right? Um, uh, accessible, rich, uh, interface applications. I, I don't remember what ARIA stands for. I butchered that, I'm sure. Um, but basically, setting a role on something is a way of telling the browser that an element is something other than what it actually is. So, for example, I could have a div, and I could put role equals button, and mm. the browser will think that div is a button now. Mm. Um, don't do that. Please don't use... <laughs> if anyone's listening, do not use a, a div as a button. Please <laughs> use... Uh, the button element, because it comes with a lot of those built-in features um, that you want. Um, but you can basically, it's a way of, of specifying uh, what something is other than it is. So right now, this is a span element, but it's having it, uh, it's telling it the role is actually a slider. So it wants a browser to think that this span is a slider. So um, it looks like Lighthouse is telling us that... Uh, roles not have all required. So it's missing ARIA elements. So there's different ARIA elements that go with roles to say, uh, whether it's selected or opened or, mm. um, uh, you know, different st- uh, the states or different, uh, information so that screen readers or, or assistive technologies can look at and interpret it and, you know, what's happening with, with, what's in the DOM, right? Because you're telling it the role is a slider. Now it's missing an ARIA attribute to say, okay, what's going on with that slider? What's the, what's the details about that slider that someone should, um, should know, uh, as they're going through the DOM. So, uh, it could be something like, uh, a role, uh, it could be something like how, how far or how complete is it? The slider, yeah. um, what percentage of it is it filled? It could be lots of different things. Yeah. So, I, so I think this will have to be implemented at the plugin level because it could be dynamic. Like I couldn't just fix it, but you know something to look at. Certainly, yeah, there might be other other replacements available. So, yeah, so there's other things you know the HTTP, HTTPS, which we talked about. Uh, cross origin destinations are unsafe. So this is just best practice information just to, for your information. Now, if I go back here and I run, hey, there's Kevin right there. Uh, so if I run the, the, the accessibility insights for web, what this is going to do is I'll just do a fast pass. It'll open up the, a new browser page to tell me, okay, here's all the results back. This one's a little more detailed, right? It'll go through and actually give you feedback and say, here's where it at. Here's where it is. It'll give you links to information, more detailed information about what the error is and why it's happening. Um, and then here's what I was talking about before is it'll go back and it'll give you, uh, overlay information. So it has, oh, it didn't do it for this one. Or maybe it couldn't find those elements to add it. A lot of times it'll add red rectangles around whatever the problem areas are to give you more information about how to fix them and, and where where it's actually happening. Because sometimes just looking at when you're, especially not a not tech, a non, if you're a non-technical person and you get a list uh, like this, you're like, I have no idea what that means. I don't know where any of these elements are or why it's behaving this way. Um, when you go back and you can see it visually and see where the issues are, it's much easier to address them then. So, um, yeah, so I, I really have, have, uh, enjoyed this tool a lot. It's great. Great asset. 
Uh, yeah, so they can go to the Kickstand site, kickstand-ui.com. Um, and, you know, I'm constantly trying to, to add new things there and, and build new things. I just let out a, a new release today, uh, 2.1. Um, so hopefully, uh, some bugs and new features, uh, bugs got fixed, new features got added. Uh, so hopefully people can take advantage of that. Um, and you can follow me, uh, at LinkedIn and look me up. I'm, there's not very many Burton Smiths out there. Um, and, and feel free to connect with me. And you can also follow me on Twitter and I'm at, at stuffbreaker. So, um, uh, and I try to post regularly to both of those environments, um, around, Development, accessibility, UX, UI, uh, a lot of those things, design systems. So, uh, if you're into those things, uh, feel free to follow me or, or, or send me your cool stuff. I, I love checking out new tools. So feel free to. For show notes and transcripts, visit us at mentoringdevelopers.com. 